0: On Wednesday nights, I do, I do little devotionals. Some of you see those, and I, and I pop those onto the YouTube channel, and so you can watch me on Wednesday nights do little devotionals. And, and the devotional I did this week is, is about Thomas, right? And we, we talked about doubting Thomas, right, and how he was at a certain time doubting Thomas, but then he moved on from that. And so, if you get time, you can you can you can look at that. But we'll go into some more detail about that because I thought, well, if I already taught on it, why don't I just go in depth and take a different route with it? We already looked at Thomas. What do we? Let's look at the other disciples. Let's look at the view from the other disciples. Did you know, you can read verses over and over again and get a different view. You can get the view of the people encountering Jesus. You can have the view of Jesus. You can have the view of the crowd watching what's happening to Jesus. You can get these different views and imagine in your mind, wow, what are they thinking in this moment? How are they reacting in this moment? It's the same verse, the same story, but you can have different views of that same story. And so it's amazing how that works like that. And, and, and there's many exciting things that happen after Jesus dies, after Jesus dies and he's resurrected, right, we, we immediately move from the resurrection to the ascension, don't we? We just go, hey, he resurrected, then he ascended, because that's our story, right? We got to keep it short. We only got like five seconds to get your attention. So we, we, we immediately move from the resurrection to the ascension, but the Bible doesn't. There's many exciting things that happen in that in-between time. Jesus appears to many people. One of those exciting events is when Christ appears before the disciples behind locked doors. It's as if we closed all the doors in here, locked them, barred them up, because we were afraid people would come in and we'd, we'd be persecuted for it. And all of a sudden, someone pops up in our presence like, Hey, how you guys doing? Well, how'd you get here, though? I'd be a little scared. But, but he's, he appears to them and he says, Peace be with you. And then he shows them the wounds in his hands. This is... This is in John 20, 19. He shows them the wounds in his hands, and he, and he commissions them, and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. This is a cool moment, right? Because we look at the day of Pentecost in Acts, and we go, oh, they get the Holy Spirit then. It says they breathed on him the Holy Spirit of God. Like, whew, we breathed. See, the Holy Spirit always existed. It existed before Pentecost. It existed after Pentecost, of course. It it exists in us today. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it existed at the beginning as well. It says the Spirit hovered above the waters in the beginning, didn't it? The Holy Spirit isn't some new entity that just, oh, yeah, Jesus went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, so now we have the Holy Spirit. It's always existed. And He breathed on them the Holy Spirit of God. But for whatever reason... They look around and they see Thomas wasn't with them. And much has been made about Thomas's absence. Perhaps he was too grief-stricken, right? His, his friend had just died, been crucified. So Maybe, maybe he he's just too grief-stricken, didn't want to be around others. Some people, when they're in mourning, they retreat and they, they do that, that thing where, I just want to be alone. Maybe that's what was happening here. Or perhaps his faith had weakened and he didn't want to join the others because, man, this guy was telling me all these things and then he died and now you're going to try and tell me different things? I'm, just not, I'm not having it. Scripture doesn't really tell us why he wasn't there, why he missed out on this incredible blessing. However, one week later, later Jesus comes again. <laughs> Only this time he speaks directly to Thomas. And this is the story. This is where we pick up our story. This is where we start our story. It's John 20, 24 through 29, and it says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to believe you. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach it out of your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said these words to him. He said this, verse 28, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And so the first thing I want you to see is that the disciples noticed that first time that Thomas wasn't with them. They noticed. They were in this room and, and they noticed it. Thomas had spent three years with them, mind you. They enjoyed meals together. They sat and learned at the feet of Jesus together. They worshiped at the temple every together. They participated in ministry together. They went out together. They were together for three years. They were together. It was the 12 disciples. But then something happened. Jesus was arrested. He was tried. He was crucified. And that's the situation we find Thomas in. His friend was just arrested, tried, and crucified, killed. And whether he was grief-stricken or his faith was weak, uh, this this is where we find him in our story. Now we know, now looking back, you know we've read the Bible, we know it front to back, some of us, we know that Jesus had risen from the grave. We celebrate it. But even for the disciples, even for the other eleven, it seemed too good to be true. Even though Jesus had promised, I'll meet you in Galilee, go ahead. They still had their doubts. All of them. (laughs) They call Thomas the doubter. They all had their doubts. They had been told by the woman that Jesus had risen again, but they were still afraid. So they locked all the doors. Because what if what happened to Jesus happens to us? They locked the doors. They met behind locked doors. And it was behind those closed doors, by the way, locked, closed, right? We have the sanctuary. These doors locked. We have those doors out there. Those were locked too. (laughs) Inner, in, outer. They're all locked. It was behind those closed doors that all of a sudden, Jesus just walks up like, hey, guys. Peace be with you, (laughs) And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. It was an incredible boost to their faith. But as they, they looked around, they were like, Oh, wait a minute. One, two, three. There's one. Where's Thomas? The scripture implies that they were very aware of the absence of Thomas. So much so that they sought him out. Right? They looked for him. When it says, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Oh, that doesn't, that isn't like a passing glance of like, hey, so the Rams are playing today and the 49ers are going to play the. Day. Oh, by the way, Jesus appeared to us last night and breathed the Holy Spirit on us. But what are you thinking about that Rams game, though? It wasn't like that. That wasn't how it happened. It wasn't like a passing glance of like something happened today at the gas station, you know? It, it was, it was, we have seen the Lord. And it was continually told to him, Thomas, you don't, listen, you, we've seen the Lord. We saw, he appeared to us behind locked doors, Thomas. You have to come next week. You have to come with us. You, have to, you, ha, you can't miss this. We've seen him. He's alive. He's actually alive. It's true. We've seen him. Come with us. Come on. They continually told him over and over and over again, we have seen the Lord, you need to come with us. And see, I see a message for us there, don't I? See, sometimes we have people that have been with us for months, maybe even years, in this very church. People that have worshipped with us, that have shared meals with us during potlucks, that have ministered together beside us, that have been just beacons of hope in our church. And we've loved them and we've seen them. But for some reason, they are not here right now. And they haven't been here and they've been absent Could be that they're hurting. Maybe they're grieving. Maybe they lost their faith. It could be that they just have COVID, but we're talking about something different here, aren't we? People that we know haven't been here. I want you to notice that the disciples witnessed to Thomas about their personal experience with the Lord, and they did it over and over again. They told him continuously, we have seen the Lord. Now, a bit of truth for you, though. (laughs) It's got to be real, right? We go out and we make contact with these different people, the reality is that sometimes we have this powerful testimony. We, we have this powerful experience. Something powerful happened in our lives. We went to this powerful seminar. We, we were at church and the pastor said something. And we're like, no, you have to watch this video. It's online and you have to see it because it's powerful. And then we present it to them and they're just like, hmm. We think that people should just be like, oh my, I knew it. Let's go, Right. All too often, it's just like, oh, okay, I watched it. You see, we go out and we put our testimonies out there, and we think that people are just going to stop everything they're doing and respond immediately to our testimony. Maybe they will, maybe, but, but most often they won't. they am like, oh, that's cool. We should, shouldn't be surprised if doubts remain. And we, we, we can go back to our own stories where people continuously told us over and over and over again. And people were praying for us and people were looking out for us and how stubborn we were. In our story today, I'm sure that Thomas was Overwhelmed by the disciples' enthusiasm when they came to him, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have showed up. But you think that that overwhelming enthusiasm would cause Thomas to stop what he's doing and respond in belief at that moment just, just because they told him. But that's not what we see happen. That's not what we see happen, and that's why we get that famous nickname, right? That doubt that has made him famous. He says, unless I put my finger in the nail holes and my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. It's a pretty human response. We can't be mad at him for that. Most of us probably responded the same way at some point in our life. That's the reality of how people react sometimes. But here's the thing, and it's a good thing. The disciples did not let Thomas' doubts interfere with their relationship with him. All right, Thomas, you have your doubts. I think it'd be easy for them to say, well, fine, if you don't want to be, just be that way. Just be that way. I don't want to deal with you. You're stubborn. You're hard-headed. You won't listen. Let's just move on. Find someone less difficult to deal with. He's too far gone. No, now they continually told him. And we see that a, a week later the disciples are in the house again and Thomas is with them because they continually told him. So he's like, all right, so you keep talking about this. I'm going to go test the waters. Let's go. You see, the disciples didn't cut the cord. They did not shun him. They did not leave him to his just deserts. They didn't say, oh, fine, you be that way. They continually loved on him and witnessed to him. And he was welcomed into their small group. Doubts and all. Doubts and all. Oh, man. Listen, and and this is a big truth, right? This is an honest truth. It's a little secret, but it's an honest truth. And we all know it, but we, we don't really act on it, but it's true. Not everyone who comes to church has the same level of faith. They don't have the same level of faith as you. Some people are coming to church for the very first time because they were like, hey, someone told me to check it out. Some people have been in church since they were wee little kids. Not everyone has the same level of faith. We're all on this journey together, but we're all at different levels. Some have all the faith in the real. Their relationship with our Lord is chugging along wonderfully. They're like on this faith train. choo 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 Right? They're moving along. It's wonderful. But others are hurting. Others have doubts. Others have questions. Others have worries. Others come with their baggage and they're like, what do I do with this? I'm here because you're the church and you're supposed to help me with this. If that's you, I I, want to say that I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. There's no better place for you. Your your church family, the people in this room, love you and want to get to know you. And they want to love on you. I know this from experience. This church family brought me in. When I was down, when I was like, I'm just going to give up. I I can't be a pastor no more. Life's too hard. I can't do this. And this church family said, no, 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 you can do this. And we're going to love on you. And we're going to show you that you can. So I know for a fact you're in the right place. I am glad you're here. Because these people love you. You just don't know it yet. There's no better place for you. Jesus once compared himself to a physician when asked why he eats with sinners, saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, I have come to call the sinners. You see, I've I've always said, I don't mind doubters. I don't mind them at all. I don't mind doubters at all. Because doubts, they usually lead to questions, don't they? (laughs) And those questions, if you're properly researching, lead to answers. And if those answers lead to a deeper faith, then doubt was never a bad thing. It's when we become hard-hearted, hard-headed, And those doubts become the bad thing because we go search the things we want. Well, I want it to say... There's this thing called confirmation bias. If you look hard enough for something, you'll find all the answers that point to that thing. Because you're trying to confirm what you want it to say. That's when it becomes a bad thing. Listen, I know people can encounter God in an instant and be changed. I know for a fact. Because I've been there. It happened. You gave your testimony. You've been there. I know for a fact And it happened with Thomas in that room. You see, Jesus appears to them again. And he says, peace be with you, again. But then, instead of addressing the disciples, he looks directly at Thomas. As if none of the other disciples were in the room. He's just like, hey Thomas! And he invites him to do exactly what he expressed in his doubts. Now, I got a question. Was Jesus there when the disciples were continually telling him, hey, he showed up to us? Not physically. But Thomas said, unless I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And here in this room, Jesus looks directly at him as if he knows exactly what's on his mind and says, Hey, put your finger here. Go ahead. I'm addressing you, Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands, they're real. Listen. I'm real. And there's different ways you can read this. You can read this as like, hey, I'm real. Or you get, like, like, mostly it's compassion. Like, I'm real. I understand. I get it. I get it. And our finite minds wrapping ourselves around someone coming back from the dead and standing before us. I get it. Thomas, but here I am. Here I am. Put your fingers here. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And because the disciples went out of their way to share with Thomas, because they looked around the room and noticed, hey, he's not here. Something's missing. And because they did not let his doubts come between them, And because they loved him right where he was. John 20 28 appears in our Bible. Thomas says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. You see, there's no evidence in that that story that Jesus said, Hey, go ahead and put your hands here. And Thomas was like, Well, let me check it out. (laughs) There's no evidence of that. Thomas just sits there, amazed, and in, like I, he was wrong and he comes to grips with it and he looks at him and he goes, my Lord and my God. It's a statement of full surrender, like I give, I, I'm, and no one up to this point in the Bible ever made a statement of faith like this. No one's put those two together, my Lord and my God, together, Whew. both he encountered the one true God and he fully surrendered. Like, you're the God of the Old Testament. You're the God of the New Testament. You're the, you're the God of today, tomorrow, the next day. You're, you're forever. You're God. Like You're my Lord and my God. And so, yes, he's remembered as a doubter. But really, he is not a doubter. That's an old moniker. That's an old nickname. We shouldn't use that nickname anymore. Man. Should we call him faithful, Thomas? (laughs) Surrender was so much powerful than his doubts. We need to allow people to come just as they are and allow the Spirit to work in their lives. Come just as you are. With all your faults, with all your doubts, with all your your hurts and your hang-ups and all those things that you worry about daily, come just as you are, and we'll love you. Because we know that you're in the right place. You're right where you need to be. And the spirit is going to work. You hang out in church long enough, you're going to you're going to mess around and get saved. That's okay. And maybe there's as we look around the room, or maybe not even look around the room, but we've been noticing over the last year, over the last months, people that are missing. Maybe there's people on our minds that we need to reach out to just to remind them, hey, you're loved. I don't know if I told you this lately. How you doing? Just listen. Just listen for a moment. How you doing? What you been up to? Often we wanna reach out to people and we wanna like, hey, I love you, come back to church. Whew. Okay, cool, you love me, right? Hey, how you doing? I've missed your brother, I missed your sister. Just have a conversation. You wanna grab some coffee? Some tea? Whatever it is. Perhaps through our testimony, someone will encounter the living God and proclaim in full surrender, like Thomas did, my Lord and my God. But we have to allow them to come just as they are and love them in that space. And when they express doubts, to be able to just still love them. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Amen? So I think about that for a second. We're going to move into communion. I think about that same love that was expressed to me, you know. Because there is a moment in all our lives where God showed up in a powerful way and he came into our lives and he expressed his love to us with compassion. And if you don't have one of these community cups, just raise your hand we'll get you one. But he came into our lives and he had compassion and he had mercy and he looked at us with those eyes and he said, hey, listen, I'm real. There was that moment in our lives made possible by the fact that he went to the cross. That his bones were broken and shattered for us. To take on our pain, to take on our suffering, to take on everything that we would do so that he could bear it all. So that we didn't have to continuously sacrifice. So he made the ultimate sacrifice. On my cross that day. And that's why we take the bread and we we'll remember that and we take it together in communion. And his blood that was shed for us. Imagine Thomas Imagine Thomas, after this encounter, had a different view of that crucifixion, that death. Imagine before, he sort of looked at it and it was was sad. He was like, oh man, why did it have to happen? If he was God like he said he was, why did he have to do this? Why couldn't he? He could just bring down millions of angels and you would just take over. Why did he do it this way? I imagine after his encounter with the one true king, after his full surrender he understood. Oh he took on the sacrifice, not just for me, but for billions and trillions of others. And so we take this, not just in memory but in celebration, of what God has done in our lives and what he continues to do in the lives of the people around us. The perspective changed. And when the perspective changes, we celebrate, we take it joyfully. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you that one day I was a doubter. I was just like Thomas. Someone came up to me and they said, I'm, I am Thomas. And I said, no, you're not. You just don't know that you're not. We were just like Thomas. Thomas. sitting in our doubts we can sometimes still be like that doubting Thomas we can still question things But I'm thankful Lord that you look at us every time we question things and you look at us with compassion you look at us with mercy you love us You let us work through those doubts to come to these places of belief. I'm thankful for that. (laughs) As weird as it sounds, that you make me work through hard times so that I can be mature later. So that I can be built up. So that I can be stronger Lord, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for our church family as well. I pray for this church family because we have the capacity to love people right where they are. Physically love them. In different ways, whether... Whether we're telling them good words, or we're giving them hugs, or, or we're, we're, just, we're just reaching out to them. Simply saying, how are you doing? Let me buy you some coffee. How can I help you? Maybe you, you need your lawn cut. Hey, can I cut your lawn? There are many different ways we can reach out and love others. Help us to reach out, though. (laughs) Help us be bold enough to do that. Fill us fresh and anew with your Holy Spirit this morning.